This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half man, half a demon. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Jump Air Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson with me as always, my good friend, Eric Abraham and Ryan Spice. How's it going tonight, guys? Going. My lips are surviving. salty. <laughs> that was random shit. Yeah, we, oh. we've, we've been sitting around is for it? like an hour and a half chatting before we started recording, and this is the first time I brought up that my lips are salty because I ate Your popcorn lips. before I jumped on with you guys. But the ah. whole time I've been licking my lip, and like, there's no skin left in one corner. Oh, that's and, kind of appropriate um, for the film. <laughs> <laughs> salty. Uh, yeah. Mm. What so, else has been going on with you guys? Um, Art sold salty lips over here. Made salty a col- <laughs> made a culinary abomination last night. Hence the salty I, you, lips. You sent pictures. Yeah, <laughs> I sent pictures. So it's kind of like the turducken of. Um, it, it really was the turducken of Italian food. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a complicated way to make lasagna. So we woke up yes, uh, yesterday morning, Sunday morning, and or a hot we had it. run to grocery store and all that shit. And my wife was like, I saw this recipe on TikTok I want to try, which is... Oh, that's the first one. Right morning. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was intriguing because I like, as we all talk, you know, off the show, I like to cook. We all like to cook. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So it was homemade ravioli. I'm like, oh, I'm down for that. It'd be Definitely. great. Get the, get the pasta roller out and all that stuff. But then after you make those ravioli, you toss them in pesto and put them in bigger ravioli. <laughs> and then you seal and boil those. And then you toss those in marinara and put them in one giant ravioli. <laughs> and then, Which oh at this God. point, is this even a ravioli anymore? Because you said lasagna and I start to, I start to think like, ah. Oh, well. Pretty much. Well, it but, became a... No. Uh, it's it a, lasagna a lasagna hot pocket. That's, it was that's a giant what I think of it. Lasagna <laughs> hot pocket. It was either however you want to describe it the you know inception ravioli or the ravioli olioli yeah. <laughs> one of the two it's like russian doll ravioli it really was oh and yeah it was really good but we got done making it I was like my arms are sore you were talking about working out ryan uh, my <laughs> arms are sore from rolling out fucking like three batches of homemade pasta yesterday for yeah, this it, lasagna it, essentially it looked cool just the concept it looked like of a it, pillow like it, it looked like a throw like pillow. Yeah, <laughs> a lot big. of work to accomplish something that actually doesn't require that much work. Exactly. Like, yeah. It definitely <laughs> does not. I that would make a like lasagna a recipe honestly. with those same re- same like ingredients. I'd make a lasagna. It'd be great. But I don't need to do yeah. the just lay- layer it up. And you could even use ravioli. Just put l- ravioli in the lasagna dish. I mean, and then layer it that way. So. That'd no lie, when nope. when you sent nope. the photo, and maybe the photo would be like part of the title screen of this review, <laughs> but no. Um, but when you sent the photo, I didn't read the context above. I just saw the photo at first. I'm like, wow, he just made one giant ravioli. That's cool. I would eat yeah. that. And then you mentioned stuff in it. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I, part of me's impressed, but also part of me, which is definitely the grown adult part of me, is like, 
that's unnecessary. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the entire that's not, time. That's not needed. <laughs> the entire time I was like, you need to make more pasta. You need to make more pasta. I'm rolling out going, this is absurd. This now, is absurd. here's the thing. <laughs> if you would have made a giant ravioli and stuffed it with spaghetti and meatballs, you have a whole different text, like, texture thing talking. going on in me. Now you're talking. Because you're just doing ravioli like, and ravioli, but I'm yeah. saying you could just you could just make the ravioli surprise your thing. Like who knows what's gonna be inside when we cut into that? <laughs> it's a whole thing. fucking deep dish pizza at one point. Yeah. It's a, it's a turducken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It. It's my childhood innocence. I was looking for that. <laughs> all all packed inside of one giant ravioli. Yeah. William oh. Shatner. No, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's, oh god. Then yeah. just hide it inside of like um God, William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> he is a ravioli, let's be honest. Yes, he is. The man's aged like a fine zucchini bread. <laughs> oh, God. As Joe gonna, puts it, works uh, with butter. So it works well with heat and warmed with butter. That's right. Yep. So how about you guys? Yeah. No, that's um it. <laughs> nothing that's exciting as a pillow sized ravioli. Just been busy with uh yeah, school and life and I cannot wait, and I hate to say this because I do generally enjoy it, but I cannot wait until my son's baseball season is over. It is taking up so much <laughs> of our time. Like, the tiny bit of spare time that we have, it's all going to yep. baseball. And it's like, uh, Hope he doesn't go pro. So. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, he better if he's going to put that kind of time into it. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, if we're going to do this. No, not really, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so after this week, that'll be over until, you know, spring. So for like two months, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no. Otherwise, I'm trying to think if I've watched anything noteworthy, and not, I haven't really. I've been so busy, I've not really been watching. We we started watching the um, BBC show uh, Luther, which is kind of mm-hmm. old at this point, but with with Idris Elba. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it, but yeah, um, yeah, pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good show. What about you, Ryan? I because it's October, and then every year. I submit work at near the end of October for like a small work show. I'm positive I've complained about this. You, I have a whole year to do it, but it's always like sub, mid late September and all of October that I'm just trying to cram these small twelve works of art. And they uh, last year and this year they changed it where you can't resell art that didn't sell in the previous shows. And I'm like, you fuckers! So I have to make everything original. By <laughs> uh, oh, wow. simultaneously trying to plan out, I have a show in August, uh, not August, sorry, April of next year. Uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever I make here, I'm just gonna make larger in the show for next year. Uh, so I've just been fucking cramming shit and painting things. Uh, I painted a koi today. That looked hmm. pretty cool. Well, not gonna lie. Nice. Like, cool. That's it. That's it. I'm just driving myself fucking insane with my choices in life. No, oh, well, we all make. Aren't we all? We all make. <laughs> I, I, I felt I like struggling. a zombie. I tell you that much. At the end of the day, I'm gonna feel like a fucking zombie. <laughs> I was struggling with a decision I made today that goes along with what Eric was saying about not not watching anything noteworthy. I did not watch anything noteworthy, but I did watch Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've read so, I've read quite a few reviews of that. None of them are. No, none the, of them. Positive. The best review yeah. I've heard was, "Oh, bother." <laughs> and that really kind of sums it up. It's it's a very I it was gory. Dope it's a yeah. yeah. It's a very yeah. gory 
stupid slasher film. But well, and I heard it's all gimmick, and there's just that it's kind of poorly made, and just like it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of heart in inside of any of it besides the gimmick. And yeah. So a slasher just, film. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. it's a slasher film. <laughs> it was obvious. Let's put this in there because it'd be messed up. Now that you know, yeah, the the Milne work is public domain. It'd be really messed up if somebody were to do this. Let's just do it. It really came off like that. So, yep, can't recommend That's it. The unless kind of thing just... that kind of turned me off of uh, like because originally I'm like, oh, maybe you know, it could be fun, stupid, and yeah. The right away when I read that, I'm like, oh yeah, someone's just cashing in to be the first one to do this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was pretty uh, lame. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of interesting kills, but it was like the over-the-top gory, but they still don't feel like they're putting... Yeah, like you said, there's there's no heart yeah. in the in the murderous Winnie the Pooh movie, and that's my biggest complaint. Yeah. <laughs> there's just no heart in it. So, um, speaking you have of like movies, a Van gotta... Helsing-style, like Christopher Robin, maybe in the sequel. Yeah. Trying to stop. There you them. go. Anyways, anyways, yeah. Eric, what were you gonna say? Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say. Anyway, speaking of, I did think of something. I watched movies that uh, received abysmal reviews, and I finally saw the the Rob Zombie Monsters movie. Oh. Um, oh. Recently, um, I didn't hate it. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like okay. Here's the thing. It's actually <laughs> a a pretty good movie. But it's only a good movie for like a very very niche group of people. Like yeah. it's totally just made for people that literally appreciate the original show and that kind of humor. And I mean, honestly, he he pretty much nailed it. Some of the there's acting moments that are a little weak, but in general, I think he kind of nailed the monsters thing. I don't get why people are so upset unless they're just coming off of the Rob Zombie fan base or they don't, you know, maybe they don't really have a reference point for it. But the thing yeah. is, is like it was a largely distributed film on a, on Netflix. Out of all things, I think a lot <laughs> yeah. of people watched it not knowing what they were getting into. And 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 admittedly, it's it's a movie made for a very small group of people that I happen to kind of fit into that group. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah. It's it's got its charms. The the humor is about as corny as you can get. But again, it's sixties TV. If you ever watched the the old show, it's. It's pretty much the same thing. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's at least an I didn't honest hate review it. of it, you know. The one problem I had with it was totally unrelated to the things that most people say about it, and that I feel like it being kind of a prequely story, it doesn't have a whole lot of story to it. It's just kind of getting from point A to point B. But um, yeah, you know. Other than that, I thought it was a pretty fun. Um, Sylvester McCoy is in it, who mm-hmm. played the uh, the Seventh Doctor. If you from Doctor Who. Oh yeah. Um and he's he's fun in it as well. I get nice to see him in a kind of a, a meteor role than I thought. I thought it was gonna be a bit of a cameo and he's actually in it a bit. So oh, cool. Well um not one I would recommend to everybody, but if if it's for you, you'll know it and you've probably already seen it. So yeah. that was a mini well, junkyard review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well that's perfect though. That's perfect. Um I'm trying to think of a segue, and I don't. Have I gave one, one earlier. <laughs> That's... Oh, yeah, you did the zombie one. He tried. I yeah, tried. I'm down. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, shit. Fucking roll with it. Uh, Rob Zombie. The movie tonight's kind of about zombies. Um... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that uh, does work. It Look does work. That. Yeah. So tonight we're going to be talking harder. about the 1988 American horror film The Serpent and the Rainbow. From Wes Craven, director of A Nightmare on Elm Street, comes a story of the forbidden world between life 
and death. There's a door to the mystical. And you just walked through it. Somebody brought him back from the grave. And I want to know how they did it. Death is not the end. I'll take your soul. You think you can take these people's secrets and just walk away? In the shadows of the imagination lies the ultimate nightmare. Don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. The Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh, so this one's directed by Wes Craven, stars Bill Pullman, uh, script by Richard Maxwell and Adam Rodman, and is loosely based on the, they say nonfiction on Wikipedia, but uh, it's, that's, it's probably I heard there's some controversies yeah. over the There's some controversy. Anyways, so. A book by ethnobiologist Wade Davis, uh, and yeah. it's supposedly Davis's tale of going down to Haiti to investigate some kind of a... A powder or a narcotic that could be used for medicinal purposes, but for anesthesia and stuff. But it's you know essentially like a zombie powder uh, from voodoo practices. So um, yeah, I've also heard this is an incredibly loose adaptation of that book, and that pretty much the third act of this film is not something that's in the book at all. Like they added an entire chapter to yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um, and 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 i was gonna ask you joe before we get get rolling mm-hmm. is this really the first time and this i was going through my memory is this really the first time we've done a wes craven movie on this podcast oh it can't be it can't be i feel like it like i was trying to think i'm like that's that's exactly the reaction i had is like this can't be the first one and then i thought about it and i'm like i don't think we've done because we, we've never done the original elm street I thought you guys did Prince. We've of... never done any. No, that's not. No, <laughs> sorry, that's sure. Dark. This might be. Yeah, yeah I I'll think have to it go is. back and look. But that's yeah, why I wanted to ch- check your memory as well. But yeah, I, I mean, I could have gone and looked it up too, but that would take extra effort. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that's about it. That's a good it, point, but... though. I don't. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm not sure. He uh, would be rolling in his grave because 260 of some episodes later, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of shocked by that. But uh, yeah, me too. So. So yeah, this this is about zombies, but not in the way that we think about zombies. I think in pop culture today, which is you know like the whole flesh eaters, you know, Night of the Living Dead style zombies. This is more. It's the OG. The OG, the the original voodoo zombies. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, a very different take on, and really one of one of the few I want to say contemporary, uh, even though this is you know quite old now. Uh, contemporary yeah. films about Votum and about these types of practices and, and this type of mythology mm-hmm. yeah so which is always, a fascinating fucking it really is mythology so it's what's awesome. what's your guys uh history with with this film uh have you seen this one before uh ryan no never i'm i've okay. been aware of it for years and i i've definitely like wikipedia i'd always do the wikipedia stuff for shit like this and just always read the plots and i know i've done it at least several times because i completely mm-hmm. forgot like whatever but i always see like some not a clip but like some image and i'm like what the fuck is this 
or somebody mm. made a reference and then i'm like curious uh but yeah this is my first time viewing it and i viewed it okay. today so it's fresh okay. in the brain uh what yeah. about you eric um same as many of the things that we talk about i saw it at some point in my early teens from the video store in our little town um i i know the first time i saw it i didn't really really love it uh i think it was a little i think i was young enough that this was a little slow and uh cerebral for for my taste um but yeah, I definitely saw it as a teen. Saw it again uh, as an adult and, and, and enjoyed it a lot more. And that experience is... Uh, well, we'll see if it translated to this time. But yes, I think <laughs> but I... Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times before. This is one I remember seeing a lot, but I don't remember exactly the first time I saw it. Um, maybe within a couple of years of it coming out, I was able to snap, snag a copy from the video store. So yeah, if it came out in 88, I probably saw it in the early 90s. Um and I actually really liked it. I remember my sister and I watching this one quite a lot. Um, because it still had enough special effects and gross-out kind of creepy horror moments that it, it kept our attention. Though I think every time I'd go back and rewatch it, I'd understand the story a little bit more. And I think by middle school, early high school, this was a one that I watched quite frequently. So, uh, but yeah, as you mentioned before, uh, you know, this is a, a Wes Craven film. And while they, you know, try to sell it a lot by, you know, he's the director of Nightmare on Elm Street, which is, you know, what Wes Craven was mostly known for, I think, among most popular audiences. Uh, this is really quite a different take than his, like, slasher-type movies. Um, yeah, or even, oh, yeah. you know, his, like, you know, horror survival-type movies very early in his career. Um, so, yeah, this one's definitely kind of a different spin for the director, too. Um I, I thought yeah, just compared I, to his other work. That was one of the things that was um I was gonna comment on that the 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 entire like promotional push behind this thing, uh, from the movie posters to our those like trailers, uh, were all, you know, from the director of a nightmare on Elm Street. And it's like that does not set I mean, and it is, but it totally doesn't set the right tone for what this movie is. And I think I think if you go in with those expectations, um, you're not you may end up liking it, but you're definitely not going to get exactly, you know, this is not a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of horror film. It's certainly, certainly got a lot of aspects of, of a horror. It certainly, I would say, still is a horror film, but it's a definitely it, a more cerebral. It, it, it's a, it's uh, a horror like, film the way that, like, Silence of the Lambs is. Yeah, sure, this one yeah. even has, I mean, through, you know, some of the hallucinations and, like, dream sequences, it certainly got some moments of, of horror in yeah. it. Um. But yeah, it's it's definitely got a lot a, a lot of other stuff going on. An, an interesting and compelling mystery. Uh, it has a very like, it, it, it not a. I was gonna say for the time, but he, I think even up, it still plays well modernly. That it, it treats its uh, subject matter of voodoo, and Haiti, and um, you know, kind of the the. Bill Pullman's perspective character, so like you know, white man, stranger in a strange land, kind of kind of situation but it treats it with a lot of respect compared to you know this is 1988 we watch a lot of movies from the late 80s that do not have that same uh yeah. respect for the subject matter so yeah I yeah i was I, pretty impressed with that yeah. still like i agree i was gonna add to that like i i was noticing that as well it's like this makes like it's not it's not a gimmick it's like like this has gravitas like this is like they, they treat it like a realistic 
thing which you know when you're in a world and this is the belief structure like it is a real thing um and and there's there's good and there's bad uh and it's kind of a complicated unknowable supernatural mess and i think what's cool about this is like it's tough to tell for the majority of the film whether or not like like oh the voodoo's probably not real it's all in their heads this is all some kind of like it's toxins and and superstition and stuff but then there's other elements where it's just like kind of dives in the paranormal and you really don't know what's going on until pretty much the very end in terms of like where is this sit yeah. in in reality um which could be good for better right? could be good could be bad depending on how you feel about the ending but um i can tell you for the first for most of the film it had me on the edge of like could this really be happening like yeah. what's going on mm-hmm. yeah and which was cool I, you know a lot of the earlier zombie the white zombie i walk with a zombie you know the old 1940s maybe 50s films they they definitely you know that's where we start seeing zombies and and the voodoo culture and the haitian culture and all that and it, again it was done in such a way that is really offensive um but yeah i was really surprised how well this was how well it holds up mm-hmm. you know as, as far as showing that there are aspects of this that's for the tourists but that's there's i guess we can kind of go through the story because we get to some of the characters but um that plays a big role in about halfway through about whether you know the difference between the real stuff and the tourism but um so what what kind of kicks the film off is in the story at least is in the late 70s and a a man mysteriously dies in a french missionary clinic but then he's and he's buried but then he is photographed getting up and walking around after his death and this catches the attention of some anthropologists at harvard who are studying ways in which you can use like a a, some kind of a local narcotic for a a deep anesthetic so like give Mm -hmm. someone a death-like state so you could do surgery on them or whatever or even prolonging other aspects of life so uh it's a good setup it Mm -hmm. is you know um and so years later you you get this you know anthropologist who goes down there and he drinks a potion and the hallucination scenes are really really well done where where is he when when they when we first see him in the amazon i think he says i don't think they say specifically but yeah 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 they 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 introduce him in i i kind of like mid-adventure kind of situation like near the end which i thought was like gave Mm -hmm. me some indiana jones vibes won't lie yeah, yeah, I was gonna say in an that anthropologist. Exact thing. Yeah, Dennis of... Allen in this movie, played by Bill Pullman, has a little bit of a, I would say Indiana Jones vibe, but he actually reminds me more of Michael Douglas in *Romancing the Stone*. Like yes, that's, that's yeah. Kind of the, <laughs> like I, I mean, they look a bit alike anyway, but like yeah, he's got that vibe to him. But... Yeah, and so they send him down there, and that really is what kicks off the investigation. He and uh, this local doctor, uh, Doctor Duchamp. They go looking for Kristoff, for this walking dead man, essentially, to try mm-hmm. to... And and Alan doesn't believe that he's actually dead, or he doesn't believe that he's actually alive. He's kind of on the fence about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, healthy skepticism, scientist yeah. in, a, yeah. in a world. He's just here to get the 
pharmaceutical drug recipe and he, get out. He also he also starts off with like a big dose of he and he's never a, he's never um you know a jerk or a xenophobe about it, but he he does start off with like a healthy dose of his western belief system like he's you know he thinks that whatever's going on that the natives are obviously confused and don't understand the science behind what right he's gonna go he's gonna go and clear it up and 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 hopefully find a way that they can use some of the what he learns to make some money right Mm -hmm. and they do a good job of since this is in the late 70s well actually no it's um early 80s at this point 85 85 is what they date it and in the movie yeah um, he uh, and it's dated right around specific cultural events and yeah so I think yeah that, and so. it's, I was I was just going to mention how that that plays in really well too in showing it, it doesn't show Haiti as like the best place in the world it doesn't show it as the worst place in the world it shows it how it was during that time mm-hmm. and yeah there was a lot of political unrest yet there was still a tourism industry um, you know the the Duviers were still in power. Uh, so it's it's a, a rough time to be in Haiti anyway. And actually, when they were making the film, they started shooting it in, I believe, Port-au-Prince and then had to move to the Dominican. Yeah, they, uh, they were told by the company that helped them secure their locations that they couldn't guarantee their safety. So the production company moved across the border into the Dominican to yeah. finish shooting the film. And I wonder if they then kind of like scratched out like... Or, or, Put tacked on a little bit of the ending of the film because that was definitely showing those the, the events yeah. that were going on to the time the film was being made were then incorporated into the movie. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's this revolution going on which was real, uh, and again this is kind of again based around Wade Davis's book, um, but uh, yeah. So Alan is real skeptical of this whole thing anyway, but they do end up finding Christoph, but I, I guess I want to mention first he meets um, was it Petrod? The commander of the police? Uh, yeah, Petron is the commander, yeah, the yeah. commander like the secret police. He's close, he's, he's a he's a high-ranking official in the, in yeah. the Haitian government. Yeah. yeah. And he starts having visions of this guy, because he's and he's kind of creepy looking anyway. Um, yeah, and that starts in the Amazon, like yeah. his spirit yeah. quest in the Amazon. Yeah, he sees his face. Uh, yep. And he pretty much tells him, you need to get out of here. You know, he, he warns him to leave and, and not ex- investigate this too much. But he keeps going through it, and they eventually do find Kristoff walking around in the cemetery. Very um, much alive, or <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get to who's played by Conrad Roberts, uh, and yeah, it's it. They set a nice tone for, and they do a good job with like the cemetery setting. You've got grave robbers running around, and then here's this guy who had to essentially dig himself out of a grave, and yeah, he's pretty messed up mentally. Well, and he's so they, they essentially wanna... tortured. Yeah, and he, like, he not believes... just the experience, but he was also tortured after the fact. Yeah, and and he believes that that Petrod has control over his soul and can make him go into people's dreams and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So like this that level of zombie. Yeah, like he's they... just like when when the actor did a great job. Uh, I think 
Like, really, you just feel terrible for this character and everything he's gone through. Because I think the movie starts, like, seven years prior to this, where he is, like, right away, like, oh, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's bury him. And they bury him, and you see a tear go down his eye, and he's unable to fucking move. And then fast mm-hmm. forward to that, and you remember that scene, and you see him now just disheveled. And he's just like, no, I'm dead. I, like, I believe I'm dead because, you know, they, they took me out of there and they, they whipped me. They did all this stuff. So, you again, it's building up this whole thing of just, is he reanimated? Uh, is he really under this spell? Or was he just abused to the point where he believes this, that the state that he's in? Like, they took away his humanity, essentially. Which yeah. you find out a little bit shortly after this that like he was like uh he voiced his political opinions yeah. uh and that's actually what yeah. got him targeted yeah he was um, a school teacher mm-hmm. so yeah. again it's it's it builds this mystery of like not just like how not the how this thing's made but what is going on here like yeah. not just politically but also like metaphysically spiritually um whatnot yeah and it 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 kind of touches on it really is because it kind of touches on aspects of spirituality that can be explained chemically right like Mm -hmm. if if you experience this believing that you know you were a reanimated corpse when actually you were you were given a drug that paralyzed you and they you know in your vitals were so low that they were undetectable and so everybody thought you were dead, but you were conscious the entire time. I mean, without and you felt everything, and you felt too. everything. I guess without yeah. being able to do an EKG or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, this person, by all practical purposes, appears dead, and so they are treated as such. And the psychological damage that would do to you when the shit wore off oh, would, yeah. would be well, very especially, real, you know? and then put being buried alive on top of that. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. The ground so... and like having to fight your way out of six feet of dirt and like right. So yeah. I, I I can see how they're they're tying that into a spiritual perspective it makes total sense, um, but yeah, and it, it's but it's that ambiguity is is kept throughout the whole film until the very end, yeah. which, is, which is really yeah, and even still, it's, it's not of, totally it's, rattled. Yeah, it's one of the coolest things about the movie is I think you could read it either any way you wanted to. Um, a little, it, it starts to be a little bit take sides a little bit in the in the. Yeah, like climax, I think, of the film. But at the same time, the way it ends, you could say, you know, any of that was caused by hallucinations, effects right. of the drugs. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it ever commits one way or the other, which is one of the most interesting things about it. Yeah, I, I also wonder, rewatching that, if even though it's been seven years, like when we're first introduced to Alan, he's given that hallucinogen, and he's like wrestling with the leopard, which is a cool scene. <laughs> It's um, supposed to be his spirit animal. Yeah, his spirit his animal, spirit right? Totem. Um, is it possible that seven years later he's still like having effects and flashbacks and shit? I don't know. <laughs> you know? And no. seeing all this weird stuff here, but um, well, technically, yeah. the, uh, he got called in. Not like this wasn't seven years ago for him. This was like a month later. So, oh, that's true. So yeah. maybe the burial was seven years ago. Uh, for Kristoff or whatever. That's true. Uh, so Alan could still be fucking... Yeah, it's still be right. Most of and Nixon happens, other things in it. Yeah, most of the stuff that happens to Dennis Allen um, prior to him being drugged, uh, 
happens in dreams or you know yeah if you really wanted to if you really wanted to take the stance of this movie that none of the supernatural stuff is actually real i think you could build a case yeah. i'm not saying that was the intention of the filmmaker necessarily right. <laughs> but i do think it's an interesting aspect of it yeah but yeah everything that happens prior to him being drugged kind of happens in dream states or you know which like there's could always be perfectly like... explained by somebody who's having high levels of stress in the situation that he's in, having dreams that relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not like necessarily there's... that Patron is controlling his mind. <laughs> yeah, like the but... pre- he has premonitions. Like it's possible that there's a malevolent, like uh, you got the malevolent force, and you got this like other force that seems to be giving him warnings of shit yeah. that's going on, and kind of hints at at the end, like this is actually what saved him and empowered him when we get to that we'll get to that but Mm -hmm. like again it's adding like this but where evil has a voice like you hear evil speak you hear like with the 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 main antagonist you you see the actions done like the like the more the light side is so mysterious like so again you're watching these things and it's still using the horrifying imagery but in like you find out later like oh it was okay like i'm thinking primarily of the fucking creepy dead woman Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah that's one of the best uh that one when you find out in the end like oh this was actually like a dead uh what voodoo priestess i forget what they actually yeah, they, there's an I, official I, term that they use and I, I can't remember for the life of me uh, yeah I, I don't remember either but that that shaman that it's a shaman character or that you know um little <laughs> kind of looks like a wedding dress that she's wearing like yeah she's like this little yeah i don't know that that is a very uh creepy image that stays with you uh and, throughout comes... that movie and is used very effectively in in multiple yeah. scenes mm-hmm. but yeah it, uh, it's like a revenge of like the beef jerky kind of situation uh it's like yeah. too many slim gyms <laughs> and you go to sleep but yo yeah. yeah like that that entity in itself like i mean it's first introduced by like just taking its jaw and then opening it and mm-hmm. making that sound and the fucking snake coming out and biting him in the face and then later yep. on just <laughs> pointing and like Yo, <laughs> like here you go, yeah. multiple times, and then he mm-hmm. finds the corpse of it later, yeah. which is used in the making of the drug, which I'm pretty sure we're going to be getting to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to bring up uh, Mozart. Yeah, yeah Mozart's Mozart. next. Yep. Which is yeah. a very interesting character. Not not the famous composer, but <laughs> no, he composes composer in different... his own way. It's a different. He's kind. a decomposer. Yeah. He's, He's a decomposer. Mozart. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Mozart's great. He he's kind of a He's kind of a hustler. Yeah. Very. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, Alan finds him. This guy's Spicy like, yeah, I, one too. I can make the powders and he's got his house set up and it looks like what you would expect this, like, you know, voodoo witch doctor's place to look like. There's bones hanging from the ceiling and shit. Everything clearly looks for show. And yeah. his, his sales pitch, I, I love the character, but his sales pitch sucks. It's like, all right, I'm going to make you this powder, and it's going to be a couple hundred bucks. Here you go. And logically, Alan's like, I need to see that it works. And so they bring in a goat. They feed him some of the powder, and the goat dies. And he's like, all right, there's your proof. And he's like, no, this is supposed to be a zombie powder. Like, (laughs) you just killed a goat in front of me. Like, what the fuck is that supposed to do? 
Yeah. Um, I gotta see it yeah. come back to life. Yeah. yeah. And so when Mozart's not looking, Alan scrapes the hoof or the of the the goat. And the next day, Mozart comes back with a goat, and it's a totally different goat. <laughs> so like he even yeah. says like I'll throw in the goat and as well with the yeah yeah and uh, five hundred dollars. And, and then Alan pulls one over on Mozart, and he takes the bottle of powder he gave him, he pours it in a glass, and downs it. And Mozart's like, "Oh my God, he's gonna die!" Because it's probably just poison, like rat poison. But it turns out it was something totally harmless and so like he no pulls he a, did a he did a he did a sleight of hand yeah he that's what i mean like he, yeah. he he actually he didn't it he didn't take the poison he didn't uh, take the poison he made him think yeah. that he did and yeah. so it kind of grounds mozart a little bit like all right yeah you can play tricks so can i but then mozart's like all right you want the real shit i can make that for you yeah so but uh, which sounds like uh i think they show a little bit of it they do show a little bit of it and it it, it seems like a very uncomfortable experience yeah. to go through to make it yeah yep. <laughs> so the drug itself the zombie powder I don't know think it's out there <laughs> I mean I mean they listed the things that do cause those effects like the puffer fish for example the boys the toxins yeah. from the puffer fish can do that shit like it can it, can, it will kill you but if the right dose is done, it can cause the paralysis to like near death, and people could think that you're dead. Yeah, because um, yeah. that has I, I forgot what happened, they but. called the the toxin, but it's some kind of identified toxin that uh, yeah that was supposedly in this stuff, and um, yeah, a I mean, tetra, I'd say a, a tetrod tetrodotoxin tetrodotoxin. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm not even gonna try. I, I would <laughs> guess that this is that part. That much of it is probably legit. Like that's probably mm. something that exists. Um, part of know, the ingredients too, though. Whether like, or not it really revive, like really brings something back from. It's not that it brings it back from the dead. It's that it puts it into a state where life is hard to detect. You know, such a yeah. Yeah, and, and, and some subjects are able to survive that state and then revive at some point, seeming to come back to, from the dead. Uh, I'm sure that that's probably more along the lines of the truth, but I don't know. Well, okay, so a, according to Wade Davis's book... Yeah, um, the ingredients list is... Yeah, is, and this is according to Wade Davis, is that you need, uh, yeah, extract from a puffer fish the matter from a corpse specifically at least this one shaman he says he talked to uh, a crushed skull of a deceased infant that had been dead for a month or two mm -hmm. okay uh freshly killed blue lizards a large dried toad with a dried sea worm wrapped around it uh and then cha-cha oddly specific there oddly okay. specific uh, something called cha-cha yeah. which apparently is a uh type of plant uh and then itching pea which is another type of plant <laughs> it's not like burning pea that's no, it's, it's no, the no. that's that, that well, there's also a totally different thing that's there's also Harper, like the, the corpse of a dead shaman is another ingredient hence why the yeah fucking dream thing comes comes back because they open up a, a casket because i need that ingredient and he's like oh shit it's snake lady you know like yeah <laughs> i don't know it's, it's all coming book. together <laughs> yeah so 
Alan escapes because oh, he forgot what happens when he first doesn't escape and uh, Petrod oh, ca- captures him. I think there's a reason him. we forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so it's yeah, a, that's yeah. the scene that everybody. If you usually, if you talk to somebody about. Uh, Serpent and the Rainbow. The torture scene is the the scene that, at least like big teenage boys, that's the one that had left the you know the yeah. scars on our brains. They don't show anything. Like, it's just the concept. Yeah. yeah, it it's very nicely done to where it. Yeah, it's not gory at all. It just it, but it but it definitely gets the point across. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, it it, so. it drives the point in fairly well. It, it yep. does. Uh, yeah, so so Patron is, is has warned him once to leave. He doesn't leave, and so they, they grab him again, and uh, this time they're going to torture him, and, you know, he's Pat, Patron's laying it on real heavy, you know, that I just want to hear you scream thing. And, and, and essentially, line. yeah, essentially what they do to him is, again, they're just using scare taxes. They give him, they give him a, you know, non-lethal wound, but they pierce, use it all like a... a a long spike to pierce a hole through his scrotum. Um, but yeah, again, you don't, you'll only find out about this later. You don't really see it, but it's still a very effective scene. Yeah. Even without any actual violence. So, and it will uh, come back again later. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yep. Um, so I think, I think part of that scene though, I think was, uh, is the, you know, the trade of the dialogue back and forth and primarily like, you see this power hungry person um and talking about uh which is it's not directly said but there's so many things like it's there in the atmosphere and that's like the history of colonialism essentially like um bill in this movie or alan his character alan alan is is pretty much the only white character that you see in a majority of this film Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, minus like Alfred from Batman in the beginning and yeah, one Michael other Goff, yeah, Michael yeah. Goff, yeah, um, which was crazy uh, to 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 see. But uh, so they have that alienation um, right there, uh, which adds to the film. But also like they they re they bring up again and again like you like your your people come in here and do this and that. And if you know anything about like. Um, the Haitian like belief structure, it is a fusion of Catholicism and um, I can't remember the other belief, uh, but it is like, again, like even the whole voodoo and everything like that is like an amalgamation of this effect of like, you know, slave trade, colonialism and all this nonsense. Like it's, it's permeated throughout the entire soil mm-hmm. uh, using my words choicefully. Like, uh, poetically, um, and, and the main uh, antagonist, what's his name? Patron? Is it Patron? Uh, Patron. Pa- yeah, Patron? I think you said it's Patron. It's French, it's Patron. right? Patron. Yeah. But again, like they use French, like um, so. There's this thing, and he says, as he before the nailing in, um, like you know. We don't want we don't want anyone to swoop in here and like take away our freedoms again. Essentially, like there's a moment where you feel like I kind of understand where this guy's coming from. He's still fucking crazy, but there's there is like a, the tension that is here 
is not just that like Alan is just snooping around where he shouldn't during political turmoil. It is that you are a power structure. You are a representation of a power structure that has been historically awful. <laughs> and I have very little patience with you. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. just taking it all out on you. It doesn't matter who you are. It's what you represent. And throughout the movie, Alan does whip out like, I'm an American. I'm an American. You can't do this to me. So it's just like, yeah. this, like, yep, <laughs> like not great, but also, well, there's a what, thing. it's heavy. What, fin- what finally drives Alan out of Haiti is he has another nightmare about Patron and then he wakes yep. up and the decapitated body of Christoph's sister is next to him. The police come in. Well, the secret police come in and they frame him for murder. And then he's told yep. by Patron, you either leave or we're going to make sure that, you know, if you come back, we'll, we'll kill you and I'll turn you into one of my zombies. So he leaves and he goes back. <laughs> Play to, the cranberries. Sorry. Yeah. Plays the, <laughs> yeah. He goes back to, to uh, Boston, which is, I don't know. I always liked this part when he goes back. Like when he goes back to Boston because he's clearly yep. still really fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And this is where oh, it yeah. starts to like go into the supernatural might be playing more of a role here than what we originally probably thought. At least this is where I felt it mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. Well, the way I think yeah. things still continue to plague him even though he's away and, and technically safe back home. Yeah. Um, and and certainly you could you could write some of that off to trauma, but there's definitely a a relation, and we get a crosscut scene with with Patron literally try like controlling him from afar. Um, so yeah, I I think from a from a screenwriting perspective and from the way they presented it in the movie, it would be hard to make a case that there is not something supernatural going yeah. on at this point. Yeah. The film. Well, he also um, is really. He he's started a relationship with Doctor Duchamp, right? Kathy Tyson's character, mm-hmm. and he's kind yeah. of worried about her. So he he that's pulling him back a little bit too. Is that he's concerned about her, and right uh, like rightly so because I believe her father was another like political revolutionary or whatever revolutionary. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and she he, like he, he's been told like she's got the same like ties as well. So he yeah. already knows that she's a target, not just because of his existence, but just in general. Right. Yeah. And I should and also mention that before he leaves Haiti, Mozart sneaks on the plane and gives him the real deal, like the real stuff. Yeah. The stuff um, they made, yeah. yeah. And he, he, he gets asks, it back. If, and he's like, are you going to pay me a thousand? He's like, well, they gave me, they took away all my money. And he's like, well, then you tell them that Mozart's the one who made this. And so I can be recognized for that. And then proceeds to take his watch. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to take some payment. But I mean, that goes back to, yeah. again, the theme of like, what, like Alan's whole purpose of being here is to be white man comes in, doesn't care about the culture. I just want that drug so it can give it to a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Right. Like, so, so again, like, money. Yeah, there is the this process. theme of use. Yeah. Um, there is no like. Well, we all know where that leads for a country like Haiti. You know, you, you have a, a resource yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, it, it is it is about imperialism in that way because that's mm-hmm. how that, you know, that whole process, unfortunately and inevitably, yeah. seems to go. Um, yeah, Alan is our hero, but he is an invader. Which, he is. Yeah. 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 Uh, even sure. if his intentions in, intention is like, oh, I want to get this to to help people. It's like you're getting paid to do this. 
Um, but also, can we just, like, the first time if I would have gotten threatened like Alan, I went, fuck the money, I'm out. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't I have taken me like... nail in the scrotum thing. It would have been far beyond, and like, nah, I'm done. But after oh, yeah. nail in the scrotum yeah. and still staying, like, dude. Must not like... have been too hard of a target for them, because the like, balls on that guy have to be pretty pretty huge to, to go back and do the <laughs> things that, like, yeah, to, to take that warning, a warning from a high-ranking official in a, a corrupt government you know is very you know uh very willing to do violence <laughs> to people to yeah. your to yeah. your giant like, balls you know? yeah yep. yeah exactly i know uh, but they call them pull man am i right to not Sorry. only go not only ignore the the warning but then ignore that you were just tortured and still go on with what you're doing get get caught a third time he gets brought in by these people four different times in this movie like yeah um, well, well then he goes not back only that but the the yeah. love interest also she like even in his during his first threat, like it's been it's made known that hey yeah she's a target, like like and you're always around her and shit, like he's yep. actively endangering her as well, <laughs> like yeah. as he continues to do this. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's white guy behavior. It is. But, yeah. yeah, he goes he goes all the way back to Haiti, and finds out that, you know, Mozart's they kill Mozart, <laughs> decapitated yeah. him. Yeah, okay, sacrifice. Uh, and then, and then they, Mozart was a, a bit of a scumbag, but he grew on you. By yeah, the he really time. did. Like, he did. Yeah. Uh, they, we uh, need to mention the one scene, like before he leaves Boston, that got him to leave Boston. Oh, the dinner. The dinner. We yeah. need to talk about the yeah. dinner. This this is the moment where you realize like the supernatural is at play here. Yeah, because they're sitting. And he's having these hallucinations that like. The, the, the corpse of the voodoo priestess's hand is coming out of his soup. Out of the stuff. soup, which was a the, cool the hand out of the soup is yeah. very uh, and yeah. then but it just slowly goes back in. It was and so then cool. his his boss's wife jumps across the table and starts speaking with Petrod's she voice and bites the glass. Yeah, bites the chews the glass. Yeah. Chews the glass and then yeah, goes at him with a knife and shit. And then go has a seizure. Yeah, and, that's and so the moment. My my question is when he went back to Haiti then like did, did the company comp him or was that just all him like were they like oh you're going back to haiti well you know save your receipts you know or was it like i would hope that they would after that happened or they would not after that happened i can't yeah. i can't make up my mind um but he does go back and is sprayed with the zombie powder and that that scene still messes me up where he's kind of experiencing what Kristoff went through yeah oh like when he's fucking like losing it in front of everybody too yeah and nobody wants to really touch him and his yeah. last so words he's before asking going for out. help but yeah everybody's he's... like treating him like a like a literal pariah like they don't want yeah don't yeah. touch me get away from me kind of yeah yeah and you know and... he's got the tagline like don't bury me i'm not dead <laughs> like before he quote-unquote dies yeah um, yeah so Petrod steals his body, takes him to the graveyard, and actually buries him yep. alive. So it's yeah, the the whole sequence of him being buried always just creeped the shit out of me. Like that, rightly so. Yeah, like, it's not a good concept to think no. about. Yeah, 
And like you, you see, because they've got like the the cross carved out of the lid of the coffin, and the dirt's falling in over him. And oh. the the dramatic effect of that is yeah. is is great. Not only like the way that it's it's lit so that the the cross is projected onto his face, but the way the dirt falls through it, and yeah, it's just it's probably one of the more terrifying like buried alive sequences I've seen, uh, which are always fairly disconcerting. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, and even and so, being told like, yeah. hey why we're burying you i'm gonna kill your woman essentially like he's just being told like all the things he can't say that are gonna happen like that kind of adds to the horror of everything like the the that anxiety of like i i need to leave not just for my life yeah for somebody else as well yeah and luckily he's rescued by christoph kind of Of a couple hours later who frantically digs him up and and gets him out which is Pretty not cool. only that but like very like humanly comforts him afterwards yeah so like you could tell like, like the, holds him yeah like a guy who had experienced it <laughs> um, yep right would. Um, and so then he continues being the heroic white man and goes to the police headquarters to find Marielle, find find yep. dr Duchamp. gonna go and he's find his girl. fucked yeah. up at this point still too like he yeah. is yeah, he is not recovered from the he effects of the drug. Recovered, he is not recovered. So, no, he, some lo- of the he other... looks like a zombie at this point. He's he's staggering. Oh. Can't yeah. his speech is yeah. And there well, are some when trippy he... fucking scenes. Yeah, when he's in he's the police there. headquarters as he's going through like the jail cells and the these fucking corpse hands come out, but the arms keep stretching. Uh, uh, that's a great throwback to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. With yes, the it long is. arms. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that yeah. towards the last like 15 20 minutes of this movie, you know, you, you you see a few of the the standard West Craven tricks come out of the box, but yeah. one of my favorites in that scene was when he opens up the door for downstairs and then it changes angles and he's essentially hanging like off the door yeah, he's, like falling like, in a pit. through it. Yep. Um and you still see the stairs and I'm like like but the angles it's so it's great. It's great. I love that so much. I know it's such a simple trick. But that's all it takes to make something really fun. Yeah, um, it's it's effective and it's very disorienting too. Like it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, it works. Um, so, and then we've it. got like the great battle, you know, where he and Petrod have a force off essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, his psychic jaguar powers or whatever he's got going on. So, like. Yeah, that's that's really this is when the supernatural <laughs> stuff really jumps out, literally out of the wall. Um, yeah, th- there's this. It, it's I won't lie. This is where it's like where this movie does start out very slow, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Um, I ultimately with what it built up to, that's fine. But in this last like what 15, 10 minutes or whatever of this climax is just it is very quick. Um, yeah, and they throw you in to like Supernaturalville. Like, oh, okay, so he's a demonic uh, shaman type dude ultimately yep. in the he's end. collected all of the souls the, of all of these people mm-hmm. he legitimately yeah. collected the souls of people um how about one dude how about his one friend who came in and took off his own head and threw it at him like one of the characters oh, from yeah, earlier we, who died we didn't really even talk about lucian very yeah, much lucian. played by paul winfield yeah. uh who is a he's a a, a bar owner kind of a voodoo shaman but again he's he's not as skeezy as mozart was but um still very much in the tourist trade 
Yeah. Uh, he ends up being an ally of theirs. He's also a friend of, of Marielle's. Um, but he dies, like, right when Alan gets zombified. Like... Mm-hmm. Yep, because he's trying to help as well. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, because Petrod then... shows him he's got his soul. Yep. And then <laughs> that was always great, like crazy when you see him and he grabs his head. I'm like, he's not going to pull off his head. is?" He? And he pulled off his fucking head and he got the little strings yep. and shit. And he just he yep. just throws it like a fucking dodgeball, <laughs> and then that's it. And like that, okay. Yeah, and it there could have been more. To definitely that brings scene. the point. Yeah, brings the point home that Patron is not only uh, able to mess with, um, but he's kind of like in control of all of these souls and can yeah. use them to manipulate. Uh, but it's something I wanted to bring up a little bit, and I don't know if it's a it's too obscure of a reference, but Patron in this movie kind of reminds me a little bit of a a modern nineteen eighties version of a of a classic horror character called Coffin Joe. That's a Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the movie uh, At Midnight. Yeah. I'll take your soul away. Yep. It's an old yeah sixties uh, kind of underground horror film, not a, a Brazilian horror film. Uh, but that character, the, the uh, Jose Martin Marins, who is the uh, the guy who wrote, directed, starred in, like just created this this character, and he was a bit of a voodoo kind of priest. But uh, the the Zakes is it uh, Zakes Moquez, uh, yeah. if I'm saying that right. But his his portrayal of Petrano in this movie reminds me of of Jose Martin Marins at, at, at points, uh, which is. It, it, they're they're not dissimilar characters in in, in some ways mm-hmm. kind of the the situation that we we find out that Petrata's in in this in this uh, movie. So in, interesting parallel. I'm not sure if Wes Craven was was or anyone involved in making this movie was aware of that at all, but I think it's a, a similarity that exists nonetheless. So I mean, it's an interesting comparison. So yeah. you did. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, what about like just. I mean, like, I know a lot of people during the pandemic did a lot of, like, you know, crafting things, like, jarring and shit like this, you know, get whatever, but (laughs) this dude's fucking collection is a little out of this world. (laughs) Yeah, I like how he's decorated and dressed all the jars in a certain way. Yes, because they have to have some kind of, like, connection to the, to the, the... To the the soul or the person. The victim. (laughs) Victim, Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, because they killed Mozart, Mozart, and they took the watch, and that's what they were using to control Alan, essentially. It will try into. Uh, I think yeah. it's hinted mm-hmm. that like uh, whatever uh, protections were put on him, like right before the uh, zombification, uh, might have actually kind of helped him not be fully controlled. But there's still like some issues. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, well, Lucian describes it to him basically as. <laughs> I liked his description because he was like, what about all these protections? He's like, well, imagine, I don't remember, I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much said, well, yeah, imagine how bad it'd be if you didn't have those. (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, like, they haven't been doing good this far. So it's like, that's just, that's because you haven't seen the ones that was protecting you from. Yeah, that that whole life is funny. It it, kind of reminds me of like the, the Brandon Fraser mummy, you know, the, the character Benny. Yeah. Who's got like all yep. the different talismans of all the different <laughs> cultures, and he just keeps trying them, um, or even Hellboy in that way, where it's just like, yeah, I, just these are all charms, different cultures, different religions, whatever they work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same kind of kind of vibe to it. Like, yeah, do they work? I don't know. I'm better not having them. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. The um, 
yeah and that yeah lucian is, is a character yeah who's actually we, we didn't mention much but he's really great throughout this as well yeah um, he's not he's not too much in a, as much as like other people but he is like an important character it's kind of like really. sally in uh or is it sally in um indiana jones yeah yep I, yeah I, yep i yep, would put it I think that, so. yep that level of importance yeah. he's kind he's of the, the he's kind guy of your connection he's yeah. the guy he's your connection guy uh knows enough to get you into trouble kind of a thing yeah and um, get you out of it if possible yeah not so much in so, this case i suppose but yeah the ending of this is so fast like you said ryan it just it rushes through it there's this big battle of spirits at the end and then just when you think it's over, mainly like them the kind one... of like wrestling yeah and um patron I... you think he's dead and then he comes back and he's all this kind of charred deformed looking guy comes back from hell from hell he's yeah. all burned and stuff and yeah at the last minute lucian's white magic helps it throws him in the chair and the spike goes in yeah i want to hear you yeah. scream once again redo the spike yeah come back to that it it all works it, it it's fine but yeah it seems very busy for a couple of minutes there because it accomplishes a lot very quickly after having a relatively slow pace and not in a bad way but mm-hmm. like it's just it just paced de- very deliberately yeah. throughout the rest of the movie yeah. um it, it gets a little 80s with some of the like the jaguar spirit thing going on but i forgive it for that because you know it was the 80s so like and the effect <laughs> is totally someone taking a projector projector onto like smoke like just blowing it yeah. which i thought yeah. was oh, yeah. actually yeah. effective i actually wasn't bothered by that effect it's just i knew how it was made but it was like man it works and they yeah. had the rainbows yeah. like when they smashed all the jars i had the souls like the rainbows come out and like there it is there's the rainbows yeah roll, yeah <laughs> roll, roll credits um but yeah that whole yeah. fucking last scene where the dude comes back to hell because the chair it's like a weird telepathic battle because the chair mm-hmm. is moved on its own dude's thrown in the chair and the spike is just levitating and then mm-hmm. phew, spiked in and then that sends him back to hell so apparently if you want to fucking kill a vampire or a demon Aim for the Stab scrotum. it in the scrotum. <laughs> they don't yeah, teach you, you that in the magic school bus, but um, <laughs> I think that <laughs> I, think I missed that episode. Yeah, poor Arnold. False statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come here. Let me let me try uh, something. Um, yeah, but yeah, right. that's so, that's essentially yeah. it. That's the end. That's serpent of the rainbow. That, yeah, that really does. I mean, it, it ends there. It's like boom, 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 over. Yeah. And yeah. then and, and then it throws some... like the fucking text at the end as they like, yeah, because it's the, a oh, quote, quote, yeah. true story. True story. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows what really yeah. is in that compound and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently the Wade Davis book, the experiences that he had supposedly his nonfiction book ends at the point where he gets deported from Haiti. Like that whole third act of the coming back to save the the girl mm-hmm. that that stuff is is screenwriters adding you know ending the story because they didn't really have a an ending so Wade Davis never went back and heroically <laughs> marched no. back into Haiti and so no. I mean, at least according to what I read on Wikipedia I've not read the book but no he's currently the uh, uh, chair of cultures and ecosystems at risk at the University of British Columbia so. <laughs> <laughs> that's apparently what he does um but this i can say that when this came out and when i really started getting into this movie it was also a period of time where i was really into this level of like paranormal type stuff like 
you know, I, I, I was reading a lot about this and early cryptozoology and shit like that. And so the I, this was in that collection of, you know, that's kind of a true story. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. there's a, you know, this is, and the, you know. Hollywood would never exaggerate something. No. No. <laughs> no. This, this was up there, though I had much, I have, I have much higher memory, better memories of this one than like Baby's Secret of the Lost Legend. But the way that one is loosely based on Roy McCall's search for Makili <laughs> Mumembe and stuff like that, you know, in the yeah. Congo. You know, that well, maybe it's there. You know, people have seen it. No, it's not. But in this case, <laughs> you know, you're dealing with pharmaceuticals and, you know, what kind of stuff you're finding out in, in some of these, you know, within these other cultures and how they might be used. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit more element of maybe there was something to this. Obviously, the movie is the movie and it's it's fiction. Um, right. I think it's, but, I think uh, it's, I think yeah throwing in the beginning that this is based on true events uh hurts the film because i mm-hmm. think this work that just let the film be the film just let it be like yeah. a like a fictionalized questionable non-fiction book uh just let it be what it is let it be the inspiration and just be that like hey i yeah. read this i read this book thought these concepts were cool i made a story based on what i think would be fun to do because this is labeled yeah. as a horror fantasy and it's like yes let's let it just be that yeah. like yeah. i think uh one other aspect of stuff that speaking of things they left in that kind of were unnecessary and kind of ruined moments of the film is the voiceover narration is totally unnecessary which often it is like it's it's, it's yeah. there's a very rare situation where i'm like wow we really needed that narration there i forgot entirely in movie, about the voiceover <laughs> this movie doesn't even need it like the scenes would have told the story themselves we didn't need that extra yeah. like it's it's honestly just like because this is based like, off of a book walking it yeah. Th- yeah it's walking you through the the story like really really like like you're not like maybe you weren't paying attention and need to catch up or something, but yeah, it, it's it's highly unnecessary, and I kind of wish it would go away. Like it almost played better without it. But yeah. Well, do we have any final thoughts and a grade for Serpent and the Rainbow? Uh, let's start with you, Eric. Yeah. Um, this is one of those that I was really happy revisiting. Like it, this one has grown on me every su- successive time that I've watched it. Like I said, the first time I watched it, I don't think I was ready for it. Like I was, I was young and thought I was watching a different kind of movie. Uh, I didn't hate it, but, um, it definitely grew on me as I, and, and like I said, I watched it again as an adult and liked it quite a bit. And I, honestly, I really, really, uh, appreciated it this time. Not just because it's a compelling, interesting, like, um, it's a, it's a bit of an adventure hor- film at the same time as a horror film. It's also straight, you know, got that like stranger in a strange land kind of thing going on. Um, but I really think it it's well done. Like it never, especially from when it was made, it never really uh, punches down at the people of Haiti or anything that's going on in the situations or its depictions of voodoo. Uh, I think it's fairly respectful to their culture and their religion, and especially that it, this is a a. <laughs> Uh, a movie written and directed by a bunch of white people based on a book by a white guy you know like and Mm -hmm. and and so for it to to be all of those things and still still in 2023 play back and not you know and still still play pretty well is is impressive to me 
Um, I think, and, and some people might might find this surprising, but I think that Wes Craven's filmography is chock full of really highly high, high concept horror movies. Uh, his stuff is always a little more cerebral than some of his peers, um, but this one is executed very well as well. Because sometimes they have some really grand ideas, but the execution is is not is kind of poor in this case everything goes together and it actually makes for a pretty good interesting movie is this a zombie movie not really but it's more of a psychological horror film it's more of a, a cultural horror film a folk horror film even a little bit in places but um it's it's effective and i think it's well acted too like really enjoy the cast in this movie including bill pullman's I'm, I'm always surprised by Bill Pullman. I'll see him and stuff when he was younger like this and wonder why he didn't, you know, he didn't really become a bigger actor than, than he did. But um, Yeah, I can see that. I agree yeah, with you with yeah. that. So I think I'm going to land at a, a, not that this is a perfect movie, but I think I'm going to land right around a, a B plus for this one. Like not quite an A movie. There's some stuff there that, um, a little uneven in the pacing and uh yeah the, the I, I i won't really ding it grade wise for the narration but it's totally unnecessary <laughs> um, but yeah i guess that's that's where i land all yeah. right what do you think ryan i think this is the weirdest prequel to casper i have ever seen <laughs> um but it does explain a lot <laughs> uh, uh god i was holding on to that one for so fucking long um i was surprised I, I, I surprisingly enjoyed this. I did not think I was going to, um, but it, like, everything that Eric mentioned, like, the way that they kind of explore this, um, and, I mean, it is, again, like, it is definitely white culture exploiting Haitian culture, but it's so, like, layered in, in so many aspects of that way. Even the movie itself, like, the fact that they have to make it, like, they have to say, ooh, this is based on a true story. Like, again, they're adding to, like, that white people fear uh-huh. of this type of nonsense. Um, well, not nonsense, but you know what I mean. Um, the action of doing so is nonsense. Um, but, again, like we've stated, like, it does a fair good job. Like, white dude gets his ass beat a lot. Like, he did not come out of this. Balls, too. Balls to the wall, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, straight to the point, right? Uh, it's, it's. Uh, it, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I really enjoyed the the hallucinations and the dream sequences, like the surreal elements and the practical effects, like him getting pulled down into the ground at one point was fun. Like, again, it's like, you can know how these effects are done, but it's like that part of Hollywood where, because everything's so practical, it's fun to watch. It's fun to think about like, uh, what plans went into create this. And also like how effective it is in creating the atmosphere of this unknown. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect. Um, I think it would have been cooler at the end if it wasn't so, obvious that he like uh the bad guy was definitely like using some supernatural elements i think they could have had a lot of those situations occur but have just more vague hints that maybe there is something going on here i think never given a definite answer would have been a better um Mm -hmm. approach to this but who knows it sounds like the shooting was already having some 
hectic situations and I wouldn't be surprised if there's like, yeah, we got to wrap this up. Uh, or maybe a produ- or some producer went like, hey, it would be better if we actually did make, like, have him come back from hell and have his face all fucked up and, like, demonic. Um, I think it just would have been cooler to have, like, maybe, like, you know, you have a person. Uh, I think the villain would have been more sympathetic if they kept with that. Like, I just don't, like, we're used to power ruling over us and now it's our time to have power or have that individual want to take power and they he's just using a way of doing so i think it could have been explored better but um that doesn't take away from the fact that i i i did enjoy this movie (laughs) like i did i didn't think i was going to like i said but i really did and i i'm with eric it's a b plus like it's not a perfect film but i wouldn't be opposed to watching it again like it has rewatchability so it's high up there. Okay. Wow, I think we're actually going to have a consensus tonight because I'm going to land pretty much the same place. Um, again, I try to take out the nostalgic aspect when when we talk about stuff that I I grew up watching. I won't say grew up watching, but I watched this one quite a lot uh, during you know formative years. And I haven't seen this in a number of years. I should have mentioned that earlier. And so this was kind of a fun revisit, and you know always look for things that I may have missed before. Um, I didn't realize the pacing issue in this and how the end is just so rushed and didn't really think about before the, the this kind of non-confirming aspect throughout most of the film that you were talking about, how, mm-hmm. you know, is it real or is it not? And I think that's what always attracted me to it was it, it kind of teeters on the bridge. The story itself kind yeah. of teeters on that bridge without even realizing it. I think the performances are great. The special effects are really, really good. Uh, it's cool to see Wes Craven showing what he can do here i mean yeah he'd had a number of films out before this but always being compared as oh he's the nightmare on elm street guy uh this was really cool to see the kind of other stuff that he can do and yeah throughout the rest of his career he he really put out a lot more really good stuff like this uh yeah the voiceover i agree really useless uh it almost takes away for a little bit but yeah i'm gonna land right at a b plus with you guys as well uh really good film especially if you like zombie movies give this one a shot to see just kind of where it it plays a role. I feel in kind of the evolution of what a zombie is in film. And this shows it's kind of a, it's a throwback to the original form. And so I think it deserves some respect for that. And why it's so terrifying and why it's so terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we would love to hear though, any of our listeners questions or comments on this. What have you seen serpent in the rainbow? Have you read the book? Are you familiar with any of Wade Davis's other work? Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? And please feel free to send any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junkier Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram on our main Video Junkier Podcast pages. And of course, as always, if you write it, we'll read it. And we look forward to hearing from you. And we hope you'll come back for uh, a whole month full of uh, horror films we're doing. Um, for Not that it's rare that we do horror films, but we are doing four in a row here for the uh, month of October. Will you be hearing these in October? No, probably not. But that's what it is right now when we're recording them. And uh, we're going to follow this one with uh, next week, The Return of the Killer Tomatoes, <laughs> then 30 Days of Night, and The Company of Wolves. So uh, stay tuned, and I hope you come back for those. We also have over 250 other films in our archives, so maybe your favorite forgotten film is uh, one we've already covered. And if it isn't, make sure and let us know what that is, and we'll make sure we cover it soon. So. And we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkier podcast. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. 
I'm Eric Branson. Now I'm Ryan Stiskel saying you remind me of the babe. The babe with the power. The power of voodoo. You do. Voodoo? <laughs> the, remind me of the babe. It's the only thing that's been stuck in my head since I've been watching this movie. I'm sorry. I had to get it out. It's not good, <laughs> but it is there. <laughs> you have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>